start out Sunday nights like we normally do with our prayer requests. I've got one here. Uh, this is for Lisa Moore. This was a lady that was put out of her home and needs a safe place to live. Uh, and the entire family needs prayer. This is from Parks Williams. And so let's remember this one in prayer. We're going to open up with a word of prayer this evening. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Gwen, if he would, if you just stand and open us up in a word of prayer. stand.
and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throne we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join song and crown him Lord of all. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Let's remember our announcements this week. Let's don't forget Tuesday night starts up all the youth programs again. So 630 to 830, it'll be youth group and discovery club. Don't forget that. There's a WMU meeting on Sunday, January 15th. Don't forget about that as well. And then also paint night. Friday, February the 17th in the Fellowship Hall. If you have any questions, you can see Virginia Scaife about that. And then Thursday night, January 19th, the men's group will start up again with the 33 series, right? You're going to start at 630. And then I think you're going to hang out and play basketball after. Okay, so that, that sounds like a pretty fun night, right? And if you don't want to hang around and play basketball because you don't like it, you can hang around and make fun of us that do, all right? Because we're going to look ridiculous. There you go. So uh, there you go. Deacon's meeting uh, Sunday, January 22nd with a business meeting on January 25th. And then our pastors made reference to the couples retreat. So don't forget about that as well. All right, at this time we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday night tithes and offerings. And we're going to bring those up. And then I'm sure on the last verse, we are looking for the choir to get back up here. Amen. All right, Kurt, will you ask the prayer on the offering? Everybody stand. Come thou fountain of 
every blessing to thy heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount i'm fixed upon it redeeming love here i raise my ebenezer hither by thy help i come and i hope by thy good pleasure safely to precious blood. All right, choir, in this last verse, come on up. Oh, the grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to thee, Seal it, seal it for thy courts above.
Amen. Well, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles this evening to the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea and chapter number two. And on Wednesday night, came and let you know that as I was starting the new year, really wanted to preach right through the minor prophets. There's 12 minor prophets. We're going to start in Hosea and make our way through. And uh, we're hoping that the Lord will help us through those. And we... Uh, um, on uh, Wednesday night, we went a little bit and made a little bit of a narrative of chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Hosea. We're going to talk again about chapters 1, 2, and 3 tonight. We're going to read, our text is going to come from chapter number 2, and we're going to read uh, from verse number 19 down to verse number 23, which is the end of the chapter there in Hosea chapter number 2. So if you found that with me, stand with me tonight. And uh, we're going to read the Word of God and pray and uh, ask the Lord to help us tonight. Hosea chapter 2, verse number 19, the Bible says, And I will betroth thee unto me forever, yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens and the earth shall hear the earth. The earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to take a look at the Word of God. Dear Lord, we pray that you would help us, dear God, to uh, just focus in on, on what you would have for us. I, I, I believe, dear God, that it, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that we look at these scriptures, that we make the application to our own life, but yet also, dear God, that we become aware of them uh, because of the truth, the truth that's for God's covenant people, the truth that's for the church of today. Uh, dear God, that we are aware of the differences between those. Dear God, we are to be students of the Bible. And I pray, dear God, that you would encourage us in your word as we seek to study your word. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us to grow, dear God, in our understanding uh, among men and among our, our peers, dear God, as we come to understand the word of God more. Dear God, give us the wisdom that comes from the Word of God and being students thereof. Dear God, I pray that you just use it in a mighty way. We believe, dear God, that your Word can make a difference in our life in every part, every aspect. So help us as we share it. Help us as we preach it. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice with me a couple of things. Number one, I want you to notice, I wanted to say this on Wednesday night, but I was being very careful of what I said. I really want to look at the big picture when we look at these. Uh, if I were to go verse by verse necessarily through, uh, whether it be a section or a part, I really believe that sometimes we get lost, uh, you know, the forest for the trees whole kind of deal. Uh, and sometimes we're straining at really small things when the real lesson is in the biggest picture of all. And sometimes we shy away from it because we're like, well, everybody knows that. Everybody's aware of that. 
but it has really been on my heart and on my mind that even though we might be aware, uh, it's still difficult often for us to practice. It's still oftentimes needful for us to be reminded of the simple things of the Word of God. Preacher that I listen to all the time is always reminding us that we really aren't here to bring some new truth from the Word of God. If it's a new truth, you ought to be scared, right? You ought to be like, what in the world is he doing? But we are here to remind you of the truths of the Word of God. That's what we stand in the pulpit to do. So I want us to look at the big picture. I want us to see those things. As we go through the minor prophets and as I keep reading them, you're going to find that over and over and over, there's a simple theme that keeps coming along. And you know it, don't you? Israel rejects and they turn on God. The prophet comes along and speaks the word of God uh, and they repent. Sometimes they don't. Uh, and then there's destruction. And then there's the promise of restoration that also is dealing with the promise of a future restoration under King David, under the Messiah. So many things that speak of a future restoration along oftentimes with the restoration of now. But the thing that sticks out in my mind is just three words and we're going to go back to them all the time. We're going to remember that these three things are a part of God all the time. The first one is why these songs have been on my heart. And thankful Daryl uh, seems to always be in tune with me tonight. And when we speak of Hosea and his wife Gomer, aren't we glad that God can make anything clean no matter how dirty it was? But then I also think about this. I'm glad that I can trust Jesus. Amen. And I'm glad that Hosea trusted God and did what God commanded. But number one I want you to think of is that God is faithful. God is faithful. All throughout here, we're going to find that God is going to keep his promise. When I come, when I'm unfaithful, God is faithful. The second one that I want you to think about that's going to keep coming up all of the time in there is that God is long-suffering. Man, if you read the minor prophets, God is a patient God. Boy, a big amen goes right there, right? It's flowing all the way down to us that God is patient and long-suffering with us. And the third one that I always love is that God has a plan. God is not, he's not doing any of this by chance. He is not doing any of this by, uh, by the seat of his pants, which is often how I like to fly, you know what I mean? We'll just make it up as we go along. No, God is not doing this as it comes to him and, oh, we saw this coming. And No, no. God has had a plan from the very beginning. God has, has been mindful of me and mindful of you. And there's nothing that has escaped. There's no detail that is too small that has escaped his mind or his thought or his eye. And that is so wonderful as we see it played out here that God does these things purposefully and with a plan. Now, I want you to always kind of keep those in the back of your mind. Because what's going to happen, I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to be doing these and I'm going to go faithful, right? And you're going to remember that once again, we're seeing God be faithful. I'm going to go be preaching and then I'm just going to be like long suffering. Amen. And you're going to remember 
He's long-suffering. And then we're going to remember his plan as well. They're going to pop up all the time, and we're going to see those. But chapters 1, 2, and 3, we went through the narrative on Wednesday night, and I don't want to recap it, and I cannot take all that much time. But if you remember, Hosea is told to go down, and he's supposed to go down and take a wife a wife that's an adulterous woman, a wife that's even further than that. Like I said, the words that are used in there are strong language referring to what type of person she is and what type of sin that she is going to commit against Hosea. And, and he does that. He does exactly as God commands. And he, he absolutely uh, gives his life in a very unusual way to live for the Lord as an example of what God can do. When he marries this person, they have children together and each one has a name that has symbols that go along with it. And we preached and spoke about those for just a moment. And then we see in chapter number three that God tells him to go and get her back and to redeem her and bring her back and say, you're not gonna play um, this adulterous one anymore. And so we see that all of this is done because Hosea, his life, his everything that he is doing is going to be a symbol of what God is doing and speaking into the life of Israel. And so that's what we're going to focus on now. We talked about this this morning in our Sunday school class, and I thought it was super helpful for us. They seem to enjoy it too. Uh, you know what? A lot of times we want to make our own metaphors with the Bible, don't we? And sometimes they're a stretch, aren't they? And I was sharing with them some of the ones that I've heard over the years that it's been like, man, where did they come up with that? You know what I mean? But the word of God itself speaks plainly. If it wants to show us a metaphor, it says this is a metaphor, right? It says this symbolizes this. This will be like unto this. As a matter of fact, I remember all the way back listening to Oliver B. Green and saying, if you want to know if it literally happened or if it's a figure of something, let the word of God tell you that it just says, hey, this is like unto. Guess what? Painting a metaphor, right? Otherwise, what can we do? Take it literally. Amen? amen. That's a, a bigger amen ought to go right there. I'm just telling you. But anyway, so now we see, and we're going to look at this with Hosea, that Hosea's life, and God is telling him that right from the big, very beginning. He's like, look, I'm gonna, I want you to do this. You are God's prophet. Remember we said this on Wednesday night. You are God's prophet, and your prophecy is not going to necessarily be with your mouth. Your prophecy is going to be with your life. I'm going to ask you to live like this, to speak to the children of Israel about who they are to me. And that's what he does. And so number one, the first thing that we see that Hosea's marriage symbolizes God's covenant or God's marriage with Israel. It's really not even a difficult thing for us to, we don't have to jump off of anything major. We don't have to, you know, stretch anything out. He's saying, listen, you're going to marry and your marriage is going to symbolize the fact that I'm married to Israel. I have made a covenant vow with Israel. As a matter of fact, he's going to refer to that in chapter 2 and verse number 14. 
Matter of fact, he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards and thence and the valley of Achar for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Isha, and I shall call thee Bile. For I will take away the name of Balaam out of her mouth, and there shall, be no, be, there shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. I'm going to make a covenant with God's people. And we understand and we know the picture that he's painting there. He brought them out of Egypt and he made a covenant with them on Mount Sinai. And he said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And what did they immediately do? They made idols, didn't they? I mean, this is God's people. This is, this is how they are. This is what kind of a people they are. But he wants us to understand and he's using this picture. And I want to go back to this over and over again at the power of the picture of a marriage. And the reason Wednesday night was so important to me, and if you weren't here, maybe you can go back and listen to it. I don't know. There was, might have been some problems. I think my microphone kept turning off, and that was because the battery was dead. So that one was on me. And now I'm just a little gun-shy with microphones. But, you know, you never know why. But anyway, anyway, those who get it will get it. But... But go back, if you want, I can tell you a little bit about it. But Wednesday night, we talked about the fact, and we thought about this. And again, we're thankful that Hosea is a real person, right? He's a real man that lived during that time. And uh, we could go through that, that normal study of the book of Hosea, and I could tell you the times that he lived. But guess what? Any good, any good study Bible is going to have that in the introductory notes, okay? Okay. So if you are curious about that stuff, you can go home and read it and find that he lived in this time and he was a contemporary to different ones. And we could study it like that. We really could. That's not what I want to do because you can do that on your own. That's easy. What I want us to do is think about maybe a few little deeper things. And the thing about it is, is Hosea is a real man. And as a real man, if you go back and you put yourself in that position, and you put yourself and you're saying, God, I want to live my life for you. And he tells you to go and marry a woman that's going to cheat on you and ruin your life and make you the laughing stock of the whole town and make you look like a fool in front of everybody. You're going to say, God, I'm good. I don't want to do that. That's good. I'm good with that. That's not who I want to be. But Hosea is obedient to God. And he lives through that shame and he lives through that humiliation that he might, number one, obey God, but also glorify God in what he's doing. And also be a testimony, listen, to the goodness of God. Because listen to this right here. And this is for the end, but I'm going to preach it right here because it's coming out. That we would be a testimony of the goodness of God and that guess what? When they're not faithful, God is faithful. And Hosea is able to stand there and go, I know she's not faithful, but I'm faithful. And I know, and hey, Israel, listen, you're not faithful, but God is faithful. You know what? We live in a world, we've already talked about it, that's full of sin, full of real world problems. 
your marriage is not going to be perfect, is it? Okay? I'm praying, and I, it's my prayer that none of you experience the kind of heartache that Hosea has to endure in his marriage. But you're still going to have some trials and heartaches in your marriage, aren't you? Be faithful. Be faithful. Hmm. Walk through those rough times. Be standing there strong and say, I'm going to... I'm going to be what God wants me to be no matter what. I'm going, to, I'm going to move through this in a way that's bigger than me. And I'm going to be obedient to God no matter what. I'm going to be faithful. Anyway, like I said, I got a little bit ahead. But Hosea's marriage symbolizes God's covenant. Now you go back and we talk about Hosea the real man. And we talk about all the things. And we're like, this is heavy stuff. This is big stuff. Man, can you imagine being Hosea? And why is that so important? Because God wants you to realize once again, and he wanted the children of Israel to realize once again how important, how real life, and even how personal this covenant with them is. It's a big deal. God's people didn't act like it was a very big deal. We live in a world that doesn't act like marriage is a big deal. I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church that still acts like marriage and the family and the things that are, God speaks about is a big deal. Your marriage is a big deal. It's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your ministry. It's bigger than anything else. Next to God, you've got God and then your marriage. That's how it works. You've got God and then your marriage and then your family, because we all know as parents, it's us against the kids, right? That's how it works. We're a team, and they're the other team, and we're fighting in the house. You know. But no, it's God, and then your wife. God, and then your husband. This thing is so precious, so unique, so wonderful. I'm not going to embarrass them personally, but the other day, there's a couple in our church, and they're... I, I just told him, I was just like, you know what? You guys are awesome. You guys are in love. And it shows. So that's wonderful. Isn't it amazing that God gives us that relationship that's full of turmoil and stress sometimes, but yet is the, the, the place that we go to be the safest and to be, uh, uh, feel secure and all of those things that we need to get from it. But yet all of it, listen, all of it is just a picture and here's what's crazy, not even a good picture of how good God wants to be to you. He is our strong tower. He is our safe place to run to. He is the place that we go when everything around us is falling apart. And I come and I find my strength, even if my marriage is falling apart. How can Hosea be okay? Because I believe he had a kingdom view as well. I believe that he thought there was something, and even though his marriage was, a, was something rough, he found strength in his God. He had his eye on something bigger. But this marriage, this is so important. It symbolizes, it's powerful. And it puts all of these things into their proper perspective. That God's covenant with us that God's covenant with his children, and I'm going to get into this. God's covenant with Israel is different than God's covenant with you, okay? Now, we're going to see some of the things that are parallel. We're going to see some of the things that are the same, 
and we're going to make note of them and see how they trickle down to us. But at the same time, we want to preach the word of God plainly. The church does not replace Israel. Okay? Israel has its own covenants from God. And God will be faithful to his people. Amen. Anyway, maybe that'll mean more to you later as we go through the minor prophets. But it sure means a lot to me. Because I'm glad that he's faithful. If he's not going to be faithful to Israel, how can I trust that he'll be faithful to me? Right? It's a big deal that he will honor what he's going to do. Number one, we see Hosea's marriage. I could keep going on about that, but we gotta, we got to move on. Number two, we see Gomer's adultery. So Hosea's marriage symbolizes God's covenant with Israel. Number two, we see Gomer's adultery and her sin. And that symbolizes in the strongest way possible probably for us the adultery and the idolatry of the children of Israel. They weren't just wicked. They were oh so wicked. When we look at this and we go back and we think of this, and again, we put ourselves in the mind frame of Hosea and we put ourselves in the mind frame of what's going on. There's nothing that we could think of that really could be worse. You know what's so amazing as I started to think about this and dwell? Even for folks that aren't even, that aren't even uh, a Christian necessarily in their background, if somebody cheats on the other one, they still know that's wrong, don't they? They get it. You even hear it. They're not even married or whatever. And they're like, well, he cheated. As a matter of fact, we know they, they think it's pretty rough because every country song is about it and how bad it is, right? And they cheated and guess what? That's it. It's over because they cheated. And we, th we put this on this place where, you know, you can do anything to me. You know, you, I'll love you forever. But if you cheat, that's it. It's over. And we still seem to give that pass today, don't we? But God is faithful. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. So here we see this. The strongest language, the strongest uh, uh, form that we can see of sin, of wrongdoing, of all of that stuff is placed here and it's attributed to Gomer and therefore it is attributed to Israel. They have sinned. I want you to notice a couple of things because remember, I want you to remember that there's a few things in here that we also, we can bring down to ourselves, but we're going to be a little bit careful how we do them. But in chapter number four, I want you to go down there. I want you to look at verses six and seven. We're going to get to these a little bit later, but again, remember we're looking at, and this is a kind of a summary almost of all of these things that he's speaking of. In verse number six, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. And verse number seven is the one that I have been meditating on so much that I think we need to keep in our mind. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame, into shame. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. 
If you were going to go back, and I said we're not going to do it, but you're going to catch little flashes of it here and there. If you were to go back and do your cultural study on the book of Hosea, you're going to find that at that moment, the children of Israel, the nations of Israel, they were divided kingdoms, the north and the south, ten tribes in the north, two in the south. But at that time, the nation of Israel was, being, was prosperous. There was things that are going well. As a matter of fact, Hosea's message, one of the reasons when you read it and you read the commentaries and stuff, that it was difficult for him to get it across. And one of the reasons they believe God wanted him to live this life as a symbol and not just speak words is they knew it was going to be difficult for them to receive the message of coming judgment because prosperity was in their land at the moment. It was going to be short-lived, short-lived, but it was there at the moment. And we know and we understand that along with prosperity comes the danger of forgetting God, don't we? We have to remember that now in the place that we live and we dwell. It trickles down to us, right? And just like that right there, as, they in, as I increased them, and he's going to talk about this later, they didn't even know that I was the one that did it. They didn't even know that I was the one that gave them the corn. They didn't even know that it was me that gave them the vineyards. They were unaware of all that I was doing. And listen, as I increased them, they sinned. They sinned. Isn't that true with us? Seems like as God increases America, we become deeper in our sin. We forget God we're blinded to God, and our wickedness seems to abound. We need to remember God. We need to be, we need to be some folks that have the right perspective of ourselves and realize, and this might sound funny, but whatever, that we're just a bunch of gomers, right? <laughs> Who have committed the most disgusting sin in front of God. We've gone out and while he was the one that blessed us, we took that blessing. We did wickedness with it. We did evil with it. We absolutely consumed it upon our own lusts and our own imaginations. God faithful. Number three. Oh, man, almost forgot a little. I'm gonna, I'll talk about that one later. The good thing is we're going to keep going. So we see this in the minor prophets. We see that this is what's happened. Verse number three, I've been hitting it all night. Or not verse number three, excuse me, point number three. We see that Homer's, <laughs> Homer's Hosea's marriage uh, is a symbol of God's covenant with Israel. Gomer's adultery is a symbol of Israel's sin and adultery and idolatry before God and how wicked it was. And then number three, we see that while Gomer is not faithful, Hosea is faithful. And we see that God is faithful to Israel. This is the testimony that we've already spoken of, and I said I've already hit on this point, and I've hit it home pretty good, but I hope it'll stick with us. This is Hosea's testimony of his life. And I want to ask us as well, can that be ours? Can we say that we are faithful, that we are trying to honor God with our whole life, no matter what he asks of us? There's going to be times in our life, 
because we already, we already talked about this on Wednesday night. The humility that he must have gone through. The shame in his community and who he was. Will there be times that we'll be able to swallow our pride so that we can be faithful to God? Mm. Isn't that funny how that works? Isn't it funny how we think that those two don't really go hand in hand? But at the same time, guess what? We still learn this of Christ, don't we? We already mentioned it on Wednesday that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death of the, of the cross. Christ humbled himself. Christ deserves... He, if anyone can be prideful, if anyone can be jealous and hold on to his own way, it's God and his son Jesus Christ. But... He stepped out of that realm and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, bearing the shame, bearing the guilt of the whole world so that he could set us free. And guess what? Here we go along in our life, and just like I said, we go along and go, you know what? Nobody's going to treat me like that. I deserve better. You know what? I know we've been married this long, but that's just it. That's the line that I draw in the sand. Well, why do you get to draw the line in the sand? Why aren't you going to look at God's line? Maybe, maybe just once. Maybe you ought to humble yourself when it comes to that thing and say, you know what, God, I don't get it. I don't understand why you put me here. And you know what? Like I was mentioning before, a lot of times in our marriages, we're not facing these huge, massive problems that, that Hosea is facing. We're facing kind of smaller problems, things that aren't so big. And we dig our heels in the sand and say, that's it. That's the line I don't cross. You know what? I'm just not going to go there. But will we humble ourselves? Be faithful to God in everything that he asks us to do in the way that we treat each other, in our marriages, in our homes, in our families. Will we be able to do that? Can we be faithful? Will that be our testimony? We understand that in these relationships that we are going to fail. There's going to be times that, that God has made us in this world, and we see this throughout the whole Bible, is that these are God's covenants. They are brought to us because they are perfect, they are applied to imperfect people, and we mess them up. We mess them up. We can't, none of us can have the perfect marriage, right? It's just not going to happen. But we're going to be Christ-like. This is big because, and again, I, I want to go back there, but I don't. One day, Christ will have the perfect marriage when the Lamb of God, the Bride of Christ, the church, is presented to Him as a bride spotless, Again, we are not children of Israel. We are not an adulterous wife that's brought back. The church is the bride of Christ, spotless and blameless before him, as a chaste virgin in front of Christ one day. That's the power of the blood that does that. We're going to get to talking about all that. It's okay. All right, keep hanging out for the minor prophets. But right now, we're in a world that's imperfect. And, the, and he's looking for someone to be Christ-like. Christ-like. To humble themselves. Be that to them. And trust him that what he's doing is 
You think Hosea had a hard time trusting God that what he was doing was best? I do. I don't think it, you know, again, the narrative when we read it, the beginning of the word of the Lord, the Lord said to Hosea, go and take thee a wife. And then the, verse number three, so he went and took. I mean, it reads easy, doesn't it? But when you sit down and think about all that Hosea had to go through, when you think about the timeline of over 60 years, it's a lot of stuff. Did you think that Hosea probably at times thought, God, I just don't get what you're doing here. But I will trust you. You've always been faithful. You've always taken care of me. Yeah, I know that no one else around me thinks that, that my life is good, but these times, God, have caused me to get away with you. And boy, I see the future kingdom like nobody else. 60 years isn't that big of a time to Hosea anymore. It's not. Hosea's been rejoicing with his Savior for thousands of years. He's been enjoying the bliss and looking forward to the eternal reward of what God is going to do in the new Jerusalem. And all of these things are revealed as he's in his presence and worshiping him. And the kingdom is real and all those things are real. And this is just a small portion. He has a kingdom view. And he says, you've always been faithful. I find my refuge in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come and get a song. I'm going to read a song to you that's been real special to me. I don't know how you meditate on the Word of God, but for me, music is helpful to do that. Sometimes I read a passage of Scripture and a song will come to my mind and I'll listen to it. This week, over and over and over, I've been listening to this one. Morning by morning, I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch him amazed in awe of the mystery of his perfect ways. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. I can't remember a trial or pain he did not recycle to bring me gain. I can't remember one single regret. Serving God only and trusting his hand. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. This is my anthem and this is my song. The theme of the stories I've heard of so long. God has been faithful and he will be again. His loving compassion, it knows no end. He's always, he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful to me. Dear Heavenly Father, help us in our time of invitation. You've always been faithful. 
Help us to humble ourselves and be faithful to you. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. In a place.